Beyond Athletic, episode 10. It definitely is strange for me because I'm not the one who's doing the great things. I'm just out there as a symbol trying to raise money for the people who are actually doing really awesome stuff. You might be smarter, your daddy might own a company, but you will not outwork me. This one right here is for the people. I'm your host, Ryan J. Owens, current pro athlete, entrepreneur, and former USA national team volleyball player. I will not be defined by my athleticism alone, but I've learned how to leverage it, to stay passionate about it, and prepare for life. That's why the Beyond Athletic podcast was born. I'll bring you case studies of current and former elite athletes making it happen in life as well as tips and lessons from top sources in sports, nutrition, fitness, entrepreneurship, and more. I'm here to tell you that you are beyond athletic. Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening. You are listening to episode number 10 with Christina Lee. I'm so excited to bring you this episode as Christina from California, a very charming, very intelligent young woman, has decided to run home from New York City. She's ending her journey in San Francisco. She's running for a fantastic cause. It's 3,100 miles. I try to outwit her in this show. She gives me the answer. Turns out, instead of 8,000 kilometers, like I was thinking, and you'd think after 10 years abroad, I'd know better. It is about 4,000 989 kilometers. Fantastic story, fantastic lessons. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, support her, share this, get it out there. She's got a fantastic mission and she's a fantastic person. So enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Athletic podcast. Today on the podcast, we've got Christina Lee. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I just worked out, so I feel like I'm, I'm accomplishing something, but not quite as great as you're accomplishing. Just to tell people a little bit about you, you are running across America right now for a fantastic cause. For a fantastic cause. And how are your legs? You know, they, they have their days. Today is a good day, Today's so I'm feeling day. great today. But tomorrow when I start climbing over the Sierra Nevadas, I probably will have a different answer. Yeah, so you're, you're exactly where right now? I am in Carson City, Nevada. So awesome. People around the world listening. She is running from New York to San Francisco, right? Yes, that's correct. 3,100 miles. 3,100 miles, which if I were to try and like get that in kilos, no, no, I can't do it. Somewhere around 8,000, I think. Kilometers. Well, no, because 3.1 miles is a 5K, so 3,100 right. miles should be somewhere a five, five. version of... <laughs> like, yeah, five something. With That's a couple a lot. zeros. Let's, <laughs> just, let's just say like five and a half thousand kilometers. Would something around there? Whatever. <laughs> You're more nerdy than me, which is awesome because I love nerds, so you could do all that math. But uh, just to give a little bit about her, she's 23. She just graduated from two colleges, which is, wow. (laughs) You have to be really smart to do that. Anyways, (laughs) one school was NYU, New York University, and the other was was, uh, Stevens Institute of Technology. 
And at the first, you did computer science and math majors. And at the second, you got a mechanical engineering with emphasis on robotics and automation. Oh, my brain hurts just talking about this. <laughs> I'm nostalgic now. I feel like I want to go back and get another major. <laughs> yeah, that's so rad. Speaking of which, I actually want to start my education. Like in terms of like going back to the books and everything, there's a really cool online university called the University of the People. And they're offering like same four-year type educations, but all via the internet with a, a, an accredited actually diploma when you graduate. It's the first of its kind. It's awesome. But I travel so much, I can't, I can't do what you're doing. So That makes sense. All right. You used to play soccer and you had to quit because of some concussions, which is a, yeah. a pretty big deal right now. A lot of that's going around in the NFL and other mm -hmm. sports. You've been in sports a lot. Obviously, running across the United States is not the easiest thing in the world to do. So I'm sure that pass has helped you a little bit. We'll get into that. You started your run on July 7th. And so far, you've gotten about 2,800 miles, I think you said, right? Yep, that's yeah. right. And you're trying to raise about 100K, hopefully more, for the Navy SEAL Foundation which uh, I definitely want you to get into a little bit more at the end just to give people a great idea about exactly what's going on and hopefully we can help raise some money for that. And you average about 25 to 30 miles a day. That's, that's incredible. And you'll be done on December 6th. So everybody, look out for her running supporter. We'll give you some links for her at the end and, and just give words of encouragement. And on December 6th, look for her. I think, are you also going to be doing... Are you like running a football or something for the San Francisco? Yeah, so I am running out the game ball for the San Francisco 49ers. Jerry right. Rice, who's my favorite player, sent me a video saying, hey, will you come out for the Week 12 game? I was like, for you, Jerry, anything. <laughs> wow, Jerry Rice. Oh. I'm, so, I'm so looking forward to seeing that. That's going to be rad. Yeah. Hopefully you can get that like a webcast link and post it on your Facebook page so people around the world can watch too. I have some new friends who are uh, 49ers filmographers, if that's even a word. They, they do a bunch of the film, so maybe they'll be able to get some footage for me and I'll definitely try to post that. Awesome. Great. Well, before we get into everything, I'm really grateful to have you on. I just got to say... I've been interviewing Olympians and national champions and like for just really accomplished athletes in terms of like that spectrum of the athletics world. And I'm just so, so, so excited to finally have somebody on who just entirely defines what being beyond athletic is in my view, which is you have, you started off, you played an organized sport you, through injury, had to, like, you know, give it up, which I'm sure was really hard. You also got to school. You didn't use sports because you couldn't, but it got through. How old were you when you stopped? I got my last injury December 16th of my senior year of high school, so two weeks before college decisions. And did you have any athletic scholarship offers? Yeah, I was hoping to go to Georgetown for soccer. <laughs> Whoa, that's rough, but yeah. Uh, things happen for a reason. And here you are, if you did that, you probably wouldn't be doing such a great thing like you're doing now and things like you've already done. So things change, things definitely move forward. And nobody does it better than you right now with uh, doing something <laughs> for other people. Adding value is a huge thing. And I just want to say, go ahead. 
I was just going to say I try, but I think uh, I've got a lot more to do too. I have yeah. a lot more goals for helping others. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I hope in the future you, you definitely post a lot about what you're doing because I love to support it. I'm all about it. Just to give people an idea, whoever hasn't heard the podcast before, Beyond Athletic really is about just talking about how you can become more than just the one-dimensional athlete. So whether you're middle school, high school, college, professional, Olympic level, there's more to sports than just playing sports. And it does not define you. And obviously, you're going to be a great example of that. So why don't we get started off with an inspirational quote that drives you? Yeah, so one of my favorite quotes is one from uh, Rob Hill Sr. And he said, my goal is to build a life I don't need a vacation from. And for me, that's so important because I think that a lot of times we do things that um, we have to and maybe not that we're really passionate about and that can start to drag on you and I just the more I do this journey the more I want to live in the moment and want to be completely engaged with what I'm doing not just doing something so it looks good for a college selection committee or for an employer or because I think the world wants me to do community service will make me feel better I want to do it because I'm actually interested in it and so I always am waking up and I have to ask myself is this what I want to be doing today and if it's not, and it hasn't been for the past couple of days, I probably need to change something, um, you know, always checking in with myself. And so I really like that as kind of a touchstone to, to make sure that I am going in the direction that I want to be going. Awesome. Thanks for sharing it. I love it. And I definitely agree with you. It's really important to build these lives that really we can be proud of internally and not seek that external, you know, motivation just for that sole reason. You know what I mean? I actually saw something on your page. It's Running America, by the way. We'll go over that at the end again. But on Facebook, it's Running America. And I think you were just on the cover of like a run, running. <laughs> I was on the cover of Runner's World magazine. Runner's World magazine. And I remember all I that stood out to me was the fact that you were just like, if it could have not been me on the cover, I would have totally been for that, but they had to have me. So I love that you had made that evident because a lot of people these days really just seek that. Like, I want to be, this is me, but no, you're doing it for somebody else. And that's really yeah. awesome. And I've struggled with that. It's almost embarrassing for me. I love the publicity because it's always helping my charity. So the more I can get out in the media, the more uh, recognition my charity gets by proxy. But it definitely is strange for me because I'm not the one who's doing the great things. I'm just out there as a symbol trying to raise money for the people who are actually doing really awesome stuff. Um, and so whenever I get recognition, I'm a little little bit nervous about it because it feels like false uh false I guess acclaim because yeah. I shouldn't be the one out there it should be the other people who really deserve it mm. so it's, it's a little bit of a struggle yeah so let's talk about speaking of struggles it's a great segue actually to <laughs> talk about a little bit of more about your life like let's go through the the quick version of you know, born, raised, how, got into sports, how, exactly how you got out of it, and then fast forward to now. 
Yeah, so I was born in California in 1991, which makes me 23, and I started playing soccer when I was four years old. I think that's the youngest you could be involved in sports, and that was huge for my family. Sports was always part of our identity, so every kid was involved in sports. My brothers did football and, and soccer and rugby, and I just basically stuck with soccer. So I did soccer all the way up uh, through high school, and we were a traveling team, so I got a pretty good childhood going all over America. We got to go to Florida and Washington and Texas and basically all over the place. It was a good life for a little kid. And then when I got into high school, I needed a way to get in better shape for soccer because, of course, if you want a college scholarship, you really have to be at the top of your game. And so I joined cross country uh, as, as kind of a way to get in shape for my main sport, which was soccer. Of course, then I had been racking up a bunch of uh, concussions all throughout. I think I started in seventh grade I got my first one and I ended up by the time I was senior year I had gotten up to seven and the last one was just really the worst one and I was really struggling to pass the cognitive test that they need you to pass to get back on the field and it became pretty evident that I really didn't have a future in soccer because if I took another hit to the head like the one that I had I would uh, you know be set back a long ways a lot of people in in the Bay Area I knew ended up with serious concussions that made them learn to re or relearn to to read and things that were that drastic and I did not want to end up there so my doctor said you got to walk away from any contact sports and and take up something like knitting but of course once you are a competitive athlete you can't walk away I'm thoroughly convinced you can't just have that as part of your identity and then leave and so I said oh what can I still do and riding a bike was out but that left me with running and so cross country really took over as the the thing that I was throwing all of that competitiveness into. And so I took up running and I had kind of more of a knack for long distance than I did for sprints. I'm not the fastest person in the world, but I'll run for just about ever. And so I, I started doing marathons and then I put on my bucket list that I wanted to run across America and now I'm doing it. Wow. Wow. That was, thank you. That was fantastically descriptive <laughs> and brief at the same time. I love it. Growing up, were you a single parent child or both parents? Do you have any siblings? So I have two older brothers who are fantastic. And my parents, I was so blessed. I'm convinced I have the best parents in the world. Both mom and dad are around. They're both in tech. And they're the most supportive people ever. So really, if I didn't do something with my life, it would like be no fault of my parents and my family. They gave me every advantage. And I feel so fortunate and definitely feel like I need to uh, give back because of it. But a really great childhood. Yeah, we're definitely going to get back into that because mentorship and examples just in daily life, like the people that are around you mean so much. I say it very often, but I really do believe that we are directly influenced by the five closest people to us. And that includes family and friends, you know, so. Absolutely. Going back to the part of the, wow, seven concussions and, and having to make that decision. This was obviously one of your struggles. Uh, I'd love for you to share another or talk about exactly how that went down, let's say, the, the actual making that decision. 
So that decision itself was made for me. I failed the cognitive test three times in a row. And uh, at that point, there's no arguing. Although I tried to argue. I tried really hard to argue. I said, no, the test isn't right. And they had me balance on one foot and I couldn't balance on one foot. And it was clear to everybody around me that this was just not Mm -hmm. going to happen, that I really couldn't do this. And um I think I was the last to understand that. I was the last to know because it was such a huge part of my identity. And so it, I, you know, the, the soccer stuff fell through uh, and I had to make a decision for college that was not based on sports. And so NYU and Stevens, actually, both of them had reached out and said, hey, do you want to play for us? They're D3, though, so there's no money involved with that. Um, and so I had thrown in my app there just to kind of say, well, if, you know, Georgetown doesn't work out, then I can go to these schools. And so I really hadn't planned to go there. Uh, but when the rest of it fell through, I said, well, I'm into these schools and I need to make the best of what I have and so I chose to go there but I really had to make a clean break with soccer because I tried to hang on for a little bit and it was just so painful like I the soccer season was in mid swing when I got uh, that concussion in December and I still you know tried to go out and play um, even though I, I wasn't passing my test and it was just a terrible thing and so after that season I just had to completely walk away without looking back I didn't talk to a lot of my soccer friends for a long time because seeing them play in college was super super painful um, and I felt like I was missing out but when I got to college and I threw myself into running, there was this kind of switch when I could change my identity over from soccer to running. Mm -hmm. And that was when I think I was able to just say, okay, there is life after soccer. This doesn't define me. I can move on from this and I can be successful in other ways. And in some ways, I think walking away from soccer was the best possible thing for me because I didn't, some of my teammates went on to the Olympic development team. That was never me. I would not be in the Olympics. I wouldn't make it a profession. And so to be able to cut that out and, and, develop some other aspect of my personality in college I think led me to a much better place than if I had spent my college on soccer and then come out after college and and been a little bit adrift because I wasn't good enough to be in the Olympics um, but I had spent the ma- the vast majority of my college time working on that sport yeah wow so in this period did you have anyone in your life that really just stood out as somebody who helped you kind of refocus and find a new direction or or just you know come to terms with it so my mom is so it's such a cliche oh yes my mother she's my inspiration but I'm doubly fortunate because my mom is also a life coach and so she yeah I know right um so she is incredibly good at at giving not advice she doesn't tell you what to do but she asks the right questions Mm -hmm. and when you're trying to answer the questions she poses you come to your own conclusions and so my mom was always that nice balance between she never told me what to do they never told me what major to go into they never told me um, what hobby to pick up in its place but she asked the question she asked you know why are you not happy now how do you think you can change that and so working with her I mean she was definitely like my therapist my best friend all all of the above rolled into one person and without her, I think I would be completely lost. So she was so important. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And yeah, it is like cliche and all of that good stuff, but I totally understand. And not even just because she's a life coach, but I mean, 
she could have been a bad mom, you know, <laughs> she could have not true. been good at it. And it, obviously she was great at it. And to be the one person that really stands out, I mean, that's fantastic. I, I took something out of that, that uh, I'd like to elaborate on. You did a little bit, but the fact that she was a facilitator more than she was an advisor really is a great, great way to mentor other people. And I would assume, because going over your uh, resume, I saw that you had you had been a mentor. And actually, I'm going to look back at this because I saw something that I loved. <laughs> it was so rad. But you, let's see, I'm going to go up a little bit. Yeah. Wow. So there were how many students? Over 130 students per semester that you helped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with, that was like, quite. Whoa. Yeah, that's, it was a busy time. <laughs> that's a lot. And it's you put down it's approximately 50 more than the average employee helped. And this is in all different arrays of subjects like math, science, et cetera, et cetera. And not only that, but then you were also an undergraduate writing tutor. I think it just shows that when she facilitated that for you, and I'm sure your father did to some degree also, and um, mm -hmm. other people in your life, what it allowed you to do is find that that was the path. Like, okay, if I ask myself these questions and I find the answers, oh, wow, who helped me get there? I should do the same thing to someone else. That example of adding value. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly how it went. Because when I was growing up, I almost felt guilty because I looked around and there was so much bad in the world. And I had been so, so blessed. And I just felt guilty for it. And I realized pretty soon that guilt gets you nowhere. Guilt helps no one. It doesn't help you. And it doesn't help the people who didn't have what you had. And so because I had such a strong childhood with parents who were always there for me, I felt like, what can I give back? Well, I can give back that unconditional support. I can be that person in someone else's life. And so when you're tutoring people, you're doing a lot more than tutoring them, especially in math and science, because those are really, really hard subjects for a lot of people. And so they come in and they say, I'm just not good at math. I'll never be good at math. And you kind of have to be there both as their friend as and as a tutor and as a teacher, because you tell them, no, you can be good at math. This is possible. Let's just break it down into steps. Let's make a game plan. And so it's, it's not just the, okay, two plus two equals four you're also giving them uh, maybe a pat on the back that a teacher has never given them. You're reassuring them in a way that maybe someone's never been there for them before to tell them you absolutely can be good at math. It's just you've been, you know, maybe not given the resources you need because the way our education system works it's set up for one type of student. And if you're not that type of student, you're going to struggle. And it's like my favorite comic of all time was all these animals were lined up in front of a tree. There were fish, there was a turtle, there was a monkey, there was an elephant. And they said, okay, the test is to climb the tree. So of course the monkey was really good at it. But the point was every other animal who was told to climb the tree thought they were stupid because they couldn't do it. And that's not the case. They all, fish can swim amazingly and elephants have the memory of, you know, unrivaled to anything else on earth, but they would have thought they were stupid 
stupid because they were given a test that they just weren't excelling at. And I feel that way a lot about our education system now is that people feel they're stupid because the teacher is testing them on something that they're not maybe the best at. And so if you give them another outlet, then they can kind of see, oh, I'm absolutely good at this. I'm just good at something different than what I'm being tested on. And how can we mend the gap between those two? And so I, it's so rewarding to kind of have that light go off. Like, I'm not a bad kid. I'm not stupid. I just need to learn in a different manner. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for giving back to people and being, you know, who you are and doing what you're doing because it's fantastic. And that's just in the classroom and outside of the classroom and the academics world. And it's funny that you brought that up because recently I saw a documentary called uh, A State of Mind, I think it was. And it was fantastic. And I really recommend it because what you were just talking about, and I recommend it for everyone to watch because the education system really is meant to actually produce one type of student and one type of person. And by limiting, you know, them in the ways that you were saying, because creativity is not something that you can just like cookie cutter and say, this is, you know, how it is. And that's all. And uh, until the education system changes, we're not really going to get a lot of free thinkers and a lot of people that can actually create something and add value to other people's lives and not just be led around like sheep. So I think that's really interesting that you said that and brought it up and check that out, a state of mind. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to put that on my list of things to watch. Yeah, I've got a ton for you if you want. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So mentorship is really important. And... Going a little bit into that, I really I want to talk about like I started something and for all the athletes listening out uh, listening out there, I would love that you take away from this. Surround yourself by people that add value to you and encourage you to think for yourself. If you have people that let's say they put limiting beliefs on you, if they are always negative, if they uh, are never really, you know, trying to do something different or accomplish some goal or add value to other people's lives, reassess who you're hanging out with, you know, and just like Christina had to separate herself from her teammates in, in for a short time, I'm sure you're in contact now with some of them, yes. but just <laughs> to say, whoa, if I, if I keep these people right there where they normally are, it's going to be really hard for me to move on with my life and get strong enough so that I can bring them back in if they added value in other ways. So I actually started a, a charity now and I'm in the process of finding people to help build it. It's called Elite Sports Students. And what we're going to do is we're going to mentor kids, tutor them, and especially using mocks, massive open online courses, give these kids an education resource and incredible value through the people who are going to be doing the mentoring and tutoring, like you were saying, they can add so much more than a normal teacher who has to follow some kind of, you know, course outline and is just like cookie cutter from all the rest. And basically what we want to do is create three-dimensional people that come into athletics so that they don't go into high school and then college and then pro and then, you know, national team or they don't go on from wherever they are in life and end up going into, you know, uh, school and maybe not playing sports. But like you, you got recruited and it was another opportunity. It's fantastic. It got you somewhere. It was a vehicle. So I want them to learn how to use it as a vehicle and have these mentors like you, like me, like others, and basically learn 
to not end up these people who are just a product of the system and these athletes who are growing broke after three years in like professional NFL teams and domestic abuse cases and, mm-hmm. you know, the gender equality issues. There's, all, there's so much stuff. So basically, I want to create oh, yeah. culturally aware three-dimensional athletes. And, and what you're doing and what you're an example of is just exactly that. And that's why I'm so excited about it. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you. No, thank you. So <laughs> normally, I like to talk about something that you're most proud about in accomplishing, let's say, so far in life. I want to take a moment just to go a little more into what you're currently doing and bring it like real time. And just say, how is it, what have you been learning on your journey? How has it changed from the time you started until now, running across America for the Navy SEAL Foundation? Yeah, give people a nice little insider view. Yes. So one of the things about running across America is that nothing, and I think there's a lot of things in life that are like this, nothing that you expect actually tends to happen. Um, And so when I set out, I thought this is going to be this huge athletic feat. It's going to be all about the running part. And what I've learned since then is that the running is there and I really enjoy it and it's a huge part of it. But really, this is so much more about the people I'm meeting along the way. So when I left, I thought it was going to be, okay, 30 miles a day, what a huge challenge. And now when I meet people, they still think 30 miles a day, wow, that's the big challenge. But there's so much outside of that that's really catching my attention. The people I'm meeting along the way, they're challenging my beliefs. There are people who don't necessarily believe what I believe. There are people I would have never met otherwise because I grew up in California and I grew up and then I went to college in New York. Those are very unique circumstances. And so I've never been in the heartland of America. And so suddenly I'm seeing all of these different viewpoints that I've never seen before. And some of them I agree with, some of them I don't, but everybody has something to offer and they have something that's based on their life experiences that I haven't shared. I haven't grown up in farming community, et cetera, et cetera. And so I feel like I'm being pushed to think about things that I would have never had to think about had I stayed in New York or had I stayed in the Bay Area. Um, And so that as a person has been so much more transformative than anything on the actual physicality side of doing the running. But the running is really important to me too, because it's given me so much time to think because it actually started out as a fact that my headphones, I have wireless headphones and they only last six hours and I'm usually out on the road longer than that each day. And so since they couldn't last the whole day, I had to start with two hours of silence. And now I actually relish that time because I don't think there are very many people my age who have ever had this much time inside their own head to look at their decisions, to look at what they want out of the future, to look at the friendships they have and whether they're putting enough energy into them and and how they can be better at that. I have so much time to look at that. And now that I've had that time, I can't imagine going back to not spending that reflective uh, period in my future life because I find it to be so, so valuable. But again, that that thinking has nothing to do with the running. The running is a vehicle for it, but it's really that free time that has just, I mean, changed the way I look at the world. I feel like when I tell people about it, it sounds so silly, but 
I feel like I've been looking at the world in shades of gray. And I was very proud of myself for those shades of gray because I knew that the world was in black and white. So look, I'm so progressive. I know there are shades of gray. But now after this run, I feel like it's not just shades of gray. I feel like I'm looking at the world suddenly in this high def color television. And there's not just shades of gray, but there's cyan and there's these blues and there's yellows. And everything that I thought was just this spectrum is now in three dimensions. And it's just mind blowing how much more is out there that I had no idea. So that has been... I mean, just completely eye-opening. There's so much in there. I want to pick <laughs> a little bit out. And I love it because, I mean, there's just so many, let's say, uh, emotional and mental and uh, I don't know, spiritual bombs that have been dropped on you, let's say, throughout this run, right? And oh, uh, yes. that just came across. So they were little uh, nuggets for all of us. And I think anybody listening is going to want to tap that little 15 seconds back a few times just to hear that all <laughs> over again. But just to take a couple of things out, and especially one thing in particular that stood out to me is that running was a vehicle for you. When you sat back and just said, you know, okay, normally I'm running with these headsets, you know, and I start off and, oh, well, what do I do? And you switched it up and now you find like this first two hours where you can really just kind of run and be with yourself and be with the world. Now, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you start to take in so much more and you just kind of sit back and let it happen. And this is a great, great, great metaphor or, or just example of like, let's say an athlete. And sometimes I've struggled in life. And let's say that was a minor struggle for you because it's like, oh, man, I usually listen to this, but now I can't. As an athlete, for instance, I've struggled recently and it's just like, oh, what's going on? And I put all these pressures on myself and no, normally things are like this and things are like that. And if they're not like that, all of a sudden I started to feel like, oh, I can't do this. And, and I started not to do it, you know, and I started to play worse. And I'm like, wait a minute, I am not this player. What's going on? And all of a sudden you get lost in this Miro just like thought and the overthought and, you know, overprocessing and whatever. Instead of just saying, hey, all right, stuff is going to change. Let me just kind of adapt with it and go along and see what will come out of that. And I think that's a great lesson, one of the great lessons from what you just said. And uh, thank you for sharing it. So yes, this, one of the things that you talked about was that someone or, or some people on your journey, like for instance, the ones that were not exactly thinking the same as you, how did that initially make you feel when people were kind of like, well, why would you do it for that reason? So it, my, my gut reaction, I think that I've been trying to work on a lot is that I have a very strong tendency towards anger, um, just because I love the way it feels. I love the passion of it. I love, you know, just being like fired up. And I think a part of that comes from sports because, you know, you get riled up before the game. You're like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to like, you know, just beast on these enemies or whatever. And, um, so that, that's like kind of, <laughs> you know, it's beast silly. on these enemies. <laughs> well, I love it. <laughs> I have a lot of war metaphors and stuff, but anyways, I'm, I swear I'm usually a nice person, <laughs> but like during games, I'd get really riled up and we'd like scream all of these like weird things of like, you have your war cries and you're like, yes, I'm going to yeah, go out there and do so great sure. at this game. Um, but not in those words. But, and so I, I have this really strong tendency towards anger. And so, uh, 
I like sometimes when people challenge me, I'm like, oh, they can't be right. Don't they know they're wrong? And it's been so great for me because I have to check that and I have to understand that everybody has their opinion for a reason. And so even if you don't uh, agree with their opinion, it is so useful and so beneficial to you to understand why they believe what they believe. Um, and I feel like when I went to New York, especially, that was much different than my upbringing. And there were a lot of things I disagreed with. But now I look back and I see the, the viewpoints that I have now, and I see how much they've been influenced by those people that when I first met them, I was like, you are completely wrong. I don't agree with you. And, and because they didn't give up on me, because we kept having those conversations, I've actually changed what I believe on some very big issues um, and, and actually gone even into the entire other side of the spectrum with activism. And so to, to do that on this journey across America too is very important to me because I know once that I was wrong. And once you know that you're wrong, once you think, what else am I wrong about? Um, what else do I not know yet? And someone is just out there waiting to enlighten me. And so I have to check that gut reaction and I have to give them a chance to speak. And usually I walk away a better person, either because they've given me something that I didn't know or because I now know more about what I believe and what I stand for than I did before I talked to them. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And that's, I think as we, as we're on our journey, you know, it's so important that we assess how we're feeling in situations and we really think about like, okay, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? And if, if I'm feeling this, how is that affecting whatever's going on in my life at this current moment, let's say, or what lasting mm -hmm. effects does it have? And if I were to change that, how could that open me up to something else, you know? And uh, so, I mean, it sounds like this, okay, even before you're probably, you understood yourself a bunch, but now even more that you've had this time to reflect and really get to understand yourself and your motives and why you're doing all this, you know, that makes sense. So. Think, yeah, there's a lot of crossover into the running as well, because one of the parts you were saying to think about how you might change that emotion, but also I think that there's an important step in there, which is to say you can be angry or you can be disappointed or you can be jealous. Like you can have these emotions that society deems bad and that's okay. And so when I have that moment of, okay, I don't like this person, but it's okay. I'm going to sit down. We're going to talk anyways. That transfers into my run too, because some days I have really terrible runs. And I, because of what I'm doing, you can't stop because there are 30 miles between towns. And if you stop, well, you're out in the woods and you're going to be sleeping in the woods that night if you don't make it to your hotel. So there's really no option. You have to get through it. And so sometimes when you're like, I just don't want to be doing this today. You have to be able to give yourself that leniency to say, okay, it's okay that I don't want to do this today, but I'm going to figure out a way to get through it. And I think when I was a younger athlete, I didn't give myself that leeway. I said, I need to be perfect all the time. I can't have an off day. I can't feel this way. And when I was able to move past that and recognize my feelings and not judge them and not discard them out of hand, I was able to meet them head on and deal with them. And I was able to move past a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties in my running a lot faster than if I had just said, no, 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 it is a good day. I just need to ignore it and I'll be the fine and just keep going forward. Um, that I would then usually mire myself in this bad cycle of, of not getting what I wanted. Yeah, that's actually, uh, there's a really nice takeaway from that. A, a couple actually, but the one that I like the most, you were saying as you're running, there's sometimes, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but my puppy is snoring so loud. 
I can, but it sounds adorable. I wish I could. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So there, there's something I took out when you said, yeah, sometimes you have these bad runs and you're like, I really don't want to do this today, but you have to, and you have to find some way to do it. So you say, I like to say when I'm doing things, let's say in, in volleyball, some days I wake up, I'm sore, I'm tired, I'm whatever. And one thing I did have to learn also, like you, you, you can't be perfect every day. And it's about, it's about the, the process. It's not about the result. And so if you focus, like in a, in a prior interview, someone was talking about if you're running and you stare at the horizon, you're going to trip and fall on your face. But if you watch <laughs> where you're going... If you focus on the here and now, what you can do with what you have, you can go very far. You can get to that horizon. Mm -hmm. What I was going to say, the way I look at it is, hey, some days you feel like you're at 50% of your normal 100%, but you've got to take 100% out of that 50%. You can't let that 50% bring down the 100. So yeah, great lessons there. So we've talked about a ton. Thanks for sharing so much. I definitely want to get into a little bit more about like what exactly you're doing. And we're going to do that right at the end of this, but we're going to go into like kind of, let's say a beyond athletic toolbox here where people can use some of the things from what you're doing. So real briefly, give me an overview of what you do every morning, or let's say what's your ritual before you go for your run. Oh gosh. So uh, I am slow to wake up because I think I don't know. The morning is a fun time. And so I always set my alarm like 30 minutes before I actually need to get out of bed. And so I wake up and then I read, I read the news and I feel like, okay, this is really important to my day. Uh, It sounds so superfluous. People are always like, you need to go running. Why are you wasting time? But centering myself in the world is really important to me. So I do that every morning before I get up. Um, And then I actually don't have an extensive routine, I think, because this is just every day I get up and I do my 30 miles. And so I have a trigger point ball that I roll out my muscles a little bit, but mostly I will just wake up, I'll, you know, scrub my teeth, I'll get breakfast and then pack up my water bottle and I'm gone. So my routine before my run is way more mental than anything else. I'm not doing any like stretches or anything like that, that I probably should be doing, but I am getting ready to run. And there are days when I am not ready. And so I don't start my run because because if I go out there before I'm ready uh, and then, you know, a snowstorm comes and hits me in the face, I'm going to be in a really bad mind spot. And so like the reading, the uh, playing music while I'm getting ready, all of that is just focusing on getting me mentally prepared to go out and, you know, run for six to eight hours. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I'm actually keyed on. The rest of it comes and goes. I'm in a new hotel room every single day, so I can't have a lot of stability in my life in terms of what my routine is, but I, I am always uh, figuring out how to get my head in the game. And for me, that is reading first and going through the same steps every day. And then music. Music is the way I really key into uh, my workout and get ready to go. And I think a lot of people probably have those songs that they're touchstones and they put them on it. I am so ready to go to the gym right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I have them also. What do you just say? I love morning rituals. So one little thing in there. I'd like you to go into really quickly. What's like a typical breakfast for you to just kind of get energy for your runs? 
So I'm a little bit embarrassed by this because everybody who's an athlete listening is just going to cringe and say, no. Um, so because I'm burning so many calories um, and because I'm in a hotel, I will eat whatever is not nailed down. Uh, that includes cookies. I had cake yesterday. Uh, you know, I will have hot chocolate and soda because it has so many calories and there are simple sugars that I can dissolve really easily. Um, but really the hotel breakfast, they're like you get to choose like tea and tea host. And so my diet is nothing that anybody would ever recommend. Um, I'm basically garbage disposal. Like someone throws food at me and I'm just like, yes, please, I'll eat it. Um, but I have one thing that I do have that I actually am really uh, keen on is I have pro bars and they are basically uh, an energy bar like you would expect, but they're all natural. Um, and they're way easier for me to, uh, I guess, eat than a lot of the powdered kind of protein bars. I don't yeah. like the texture of them. They, you know, and I feel like I need to be chugging water to get them down. But these really, it's like eating a bowl of oatmeal. You have, uh, you know, the whole oats in there. You have chia seeds. You have fruits and stuff. And so luckily for me, Probar actually said, oh, hey, you like these? Well, let me send you an entire box. So I've been eating those, like, just daily. Whenever I need real food, fruits, veggies, I just rip one of those out. And it will keep me full for, you know, four to five hours, which for an athlete who's always hungry, mm-hmm. that's great. Four hours, you're like, you're doing something magic. (laughs) I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes. I mean, there's a few things I got out of there. The TP therapy ball that you use. These are awesome. I have their roller. It travels with me. They have amazing customer service, by the way. And it's totally not a plug because I'm not invested (laughs) in them in any way and they don't sponsor me. But hey, I remember mine cracked in Italy and they next dayed one to me, a roller. But you know, that mashing and here, here you go. Here's my little nugget of advice for you. The stretching, no, you don't want to do it before. You want to do exactly what you're doing. You want to do that mashing. You want to just get that, the muscle nice and tender and ready to go, nice and fluid. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're doing all the right stuff to me. Besides, you're the one running so far every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love those trigger point balls. Like, I could not live without mine, without yeah. a doubt. Like, it is like, my most prized possession. Like, when I lose it, I, I'm pretty sure I uh, shed a tear when I lost my first one, and I had cool. to overnight one as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes along with the, the bars. The other thing, there's a couple things I wanted to mention. First of all, I got to say, Thank you so much to Ryan DeWitt, who introduced us both and me to what you're doing and for feeding you along your way. And for feeding real food. Yes, it was fantastic. Thank you, Ryan. Because it sounds like you really need it after those breakfasts. But you know what? I agree with you. Sometimes you just got to put whatever in you is going to give you that instant energy when you need it. Sometimes you got to be, you know, thinking on the fly. So um, there was something else I wanted to say there, but it's okay. Let's talk about one personal habit you believe contributes to your success in terms of like your daily successes in running. Hmm. Oh, I I don't even know why I thought about that. Without a doubt, I prioritize sleep. Um, And I didn't in college because there was so much going on. But now I will start my day late. If I don't get my eight hours, I will delay my whole entire day so I can get my eight hours. And I have the leeway to do that the way a lot of people don't because they have commitments. They have to be at a certain time, whereas I'm the master of my own day. But that is so crucial. And when I haven't been sleeping, I can feel it in my legs without a question. 
question. Yeah. Um, because even if it's like maybe half an hour less than I'm used to, I will get out on the road and be, why do my legs feel this way? Oh yes, I missed that half hour of sleep. And it has been so important. Uh, it makes the mental game 5x harder if you don't have your sleep and so if you're struggling through a workout and not sure like why am is my mind wandering why is this so hard i do the same workout every day it shouldn't be this hard it's i guarantee you can look at your sleep schedule and probably you didn't get enough sleep um and so if you don't want to make your life harder sleep is the easiest thing that you can do it's free you can sleep anywhere you can sleep on a couch on a bed you know in the student union uh it's free that's the best part (laughs) that is that is definitely the best part of sleep it is free and it's so beneficial (laughs) the seven to eight hours is just huge there's a lot of research out there that's talking about exactly that is that you know that seven to eight hours contributes to so much of our success daily, our daily successes, I'm saying. Like that means decisions, you know, physical, all of that stuff, our health long term. So yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of people, and I agree with you, I started doing the same thing. I was trying to do this whole wake up at 6 a.m. I'm not as uh, wow, you woke up this morning. I don't even want to know what time because we started the podcast <laughs> a little after five. So yeah. for you. I I just, it, it's such a huge component and I will do the same thing. If, if I have screwed up and I've gotten to bed late, I will try to get a minimum of seven hours is what I try to do uh, because there's so much more I'm doing every day. I wish I could be running every day. That's incredible. Because I'd, be, I'd be so much in, in so much, so much better shape than I am now. And I'm in decent shape, but Anyways, uh, you talked about getting your news and all of that stuff. So, and I know that you, you really, you have some learning resources that you like, like podcasts. You mentioned, what was it? Is it Ready to Run? Oh, Born to Run. I love that book. Every time I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I'm like, no, 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 I can. It's such an inspirational book. (laughs) And who is that by? Oh, I should have written that down. Oh, it's okay. Oh, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Sorry. Perfect. But it reminded Sorry. me because I don't know if you know of this guy, but you got to check him out. And everybody out there, if you're running, even if you're just like, you know, your joints are not that great, you feel a little tight, whatever. Kelly Starrett. Starrett. Why did I put an accent on that? See, being in foreign countries, does crazy things. <laughs> Kelly <It> Starrett. <laughs> His name is Kelly Starrett, and he is a fantastic mobility coach. He has a book called Ready to Run. And that's why when you put that, I was like, oh, is that? It's not. You got to check it out. Well, now I'm going to have that one. Yeah, Yeah. I will definitely read that. Yeah, his first book was Becoming a Supple Leopard, which is a rad title. But uh, (laughs) it's all about mobility and just getting your body right. Ready to Run is obviously about that too what's another learning resource that you like you can name off the podcast or whatever you want oh i am so fond of my podcast so those six hours that i was telling you about they're all podcasts what is my favorite one actually i really really love the storytelling ones there's one called snap judgment which is storytelling with a beat and so i do listen to a lot about medicine history foreign affairs politics blah blah blah. Uh, but that's my favorite just that pure storytelling because i feel like i can relate to people and sometimes that's hard to do because you know they're they're from different countries or they're from uh, completely different circumstances and then you hear this story and you're like 
yeah, I felt that way before. And so I love that one uh, because it's not learning so much about, you know, a fact as it is learning about the people around you. And Mm -hmm. since I think that, you know, the best part of life is the people you surround yourself with, that's really important to me. Yeah. There's actually, you mentioned another, what were you saying? Uh, Storytelling and something about medical. Yeah. Oh yes. I listen to so many uh, history podcasts. Yes, I've, I've listened to that one. I love Sawbones. Uh, and like things you've missed in history class. I don't know if you've done oh, that I've one. Heard one of those, um, yeah. yeah, the Harvard uh, Business Review has a podcast. Um, Freakonomics has a podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Every academic subject you can think about, they yeah. have podcasts and they're super engaging. They're so awesome. And I, I like you, actually. This is something we definitely have in common. I stopped listening to my, let's say, motivational music and everything like my, let's say, my my soundtrack for my workouts and things like that have now become podcasts. It's fantastic. You know, I'm like lifting a ton of weight and here most people might be listening to heavy metal or whatever and I've done it myself, but now I'm totally switched and I, if anybody knew what I was listening to, they'd be like, what? But. <laughs> I got to recommend to you, because you were talking about history, Dan Carlin's. Uh, I was looking it up on my phone. Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Boo. Fantastic. I'm going to subscribe to that. I would love to listen to that. I'm always looking for new podcasts. Um, I I definitely love the history ones, though, because I feel like I've missed a lot in history class. (laughs) Catch up with that. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into a little bit more. I want to wrap up here and I want to give you a chance to really tell people about what it is you're doing, what you're looking towards in the future, and a way to reach out to you. So those three things, what you're doing now, definitely get a little more detailed about that, what's in the future to come and how to reach you. Yeah, so right now, um, as you had said earlier in the episode, I am running from New York to San Francisco. That's 3,100 miles. One of the big caveats that we left out there is that I'm doing it unsupported. So I have this awesome baby stroller. Uh, His name is Thor. And I put all my food, all my supplies in there, and I push him down the road, uh, which is always interesting because the police are very fond of people with baby strollers running on the side of the highway. Um, You know, they love when you do that. And so I'm always getting stopped by the cops saying, excuse me, miss, do you have a baby in there? Say, no, no, I'm just out for a jog. Um, And so I am going to arrive in San Francisco on December 6th. So I have just a few weeks left. And in between there, I'm going to be talking to a lot of people doing that mentoring that we had talked about earlier as well. Um, And yes, the goal is to raise $100,000 for the Navy SEAL Foundation. And that foundation does a lot to support the families of soldiers. Uh, And so I think that there's this Uh, It it has the Navy SEALs in the title, but I think that the thing that resonates with me a lot more is that the people who go to war have usually chosen to do that um, for whichever reasons, but it's the people who are left behind who often suffer the most. Um, They're often the ones who are trying to raise their kids in a single parent home. they probably don't have the best finances because, of course, that sort of stuff doesn't pay nearly as well as the you know technology field that I'm looking to go into. And so this really kind of helps with the education of kids. Um, if someone dies while they're abroad, it will help with the funeral costs. So it's doing that stuff for the families, the ones who didn't choose this way of life, who are kind of along for the rides. And that really resonates with me because uh, you just see how much conflict tears families apart. And so that's really hard. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to raise money for. 
more. I'm $35,000 towards my $100,000 goal. So quite a bit short, but there's still time left. Hopefully I'll finish that. And once I get done with this run to answer the after, my parents will be thrilled to hear that I plan to get a job because of course I went to not one, but two colleges and yet I still ended up unemployed and homeless. Um, <laughs> so, you know, everybody says, oh, they must be so proud. And I say proud is one word. Um, <laughs> So I'm, I'm definitely planning on getting a job and uh, hopefully in the technology industry, I think that tech is such an amazing field for people who both want to be creative and scientific, but also want to help the world. So one of the projects I'm looking to interview for is um, on a green energy initiative to try to uh, lessen our impact on the globe and kind of be kinder to nature and still get the energy resources we need. So I'm, I'm really excited about the things I can do there. And if any Anybody wants to follow the journey uh, you can see me on Facebook it's a public Facebook page so even if you don't have Facebook you can go and check it out and it's facebook.com slash Christina runs America so pretty self-explanatory because I'm Christina and I'm running America <laughs> it's rad and for everybody out there listening I mean I'm seeing Christina right now they're not gonna see the video so it's kind of just a bonus for me just so we're like oh we yeah, <laughs> she's wearing this America cap she's got a smile the whole time it's it's incredible. The energy that's just like re resonant or being emitted by her body is totally <laughs> It's coming through in the audio and I'm definitely getting it. I feel great about what you're doing and, and I'm definitely inspired by what you're doing. I do want to say thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day, out of your journey to uh, talk to everybody about this. I hope everyone about this. I hope that everybody gets on there, checks out Running America. Do you have a page for the fundraising? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, that is on CrowdRise. And I am a terrible fundraiser. and don't have that memorized because it's linked from my Facebook okay. page. Or if uh, my website is uh, also Christina Runs America. So www.christinarunsamerica.com. And the very first button on that site is a don donation link. So if you have any interest in that, or you can donate straight to the Navy SEAL Foundation. They have a tab that says, are you doing this for Christina's run? And you can just click yes, and it will be logged as well awesome so guys you heard it there go out check it get a little more information definitely give whatever you can and if you can't give just think of some people to share it with that might be interested in it maybe they'll be able to so spreading the word is definitely as valuable as giving so thanks so much for sharing all that thanks again for your time and i wish you well on your journey and when you do that i hope that i'm watching when you when you run that fallout at the end i'll be celebrating <laughs> I, will try, I will try to make sure that that happens i will tell the 49ers just for you <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much christina thanks for having me did you like the show leave a rating and review on itunes or stitcher.com so others will find us and share the love think of one person that could benefit and send them the link for this episode for more resources and tips go to beyondathletic.com or tweet us at Beyond Athletic. I appreciate and thank you for listening. What we do in life echoes in eternity. I'm going to show you how great I am. <laughs>